It is my honor to be with you this morning, and I feel at home. I walked in and saw these barrels, and I knew exactly what they were for. And, and then uh, thoroughly blessed during our time of worship. Uh, your your t- worship team does a great job. And then had opportunity to have fellowship with Pastor Jehu and Miss Lillian last night. And, and uh, brother and sister and law, Lord, just grateful to be here today. Feel the presence of the Lord. And first Sunday of every month at Gospel Lighthouse was Mission Sunday. So, you know, when we were doing that, I was uh, uh, grateful for, for that as well. And being in a Christian school. My wife taught in our Christian school. My boys went from K-4 all the way through and graduated from Christian school. So uh, I value that. So I feel at home this morning. And I'm pleased to be able to share God's word. I am uh, sorry my wife is not with me. I, one, I, I, I preach better. She's here. So, you know, you may not get the best. But uh, she is actually in a country called Vietnam. And she has already preached today. Right now, it is midnight in Vietnam. So she's probably in sleep. Uh, and she preached at an international church in Ho Chi Minh City this morning. And she, as a trained teacher, she's going to do some teacher training in some uh, schools there this next week. She spoke to ladies yesterday. So I miss her, but I'm excited about the open door that God has given to her. And again, it is my privilege to be here with you this morning. Thank you for allowing me to do that. If you'll take your Bibles or your devices, however it works best, and uh, turn to Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And I have a lot of favorites, as Gospel Lighthouse found out. I had the privilege of pastoring a church in Dallas for 30 years Gospel Lighthouse Church. I was on staff there for 34 years, and before that, I was at a church in Arlington. But I'm not a native Texan. I grew up in Alabama. And so Texas, when I moved here, was like moving to a foreign country. Uh, There are more people in the Metroplex than there are in the entire state of Alabama. And so it was culture shock for me. But obviously, I must have fell in love because I've stayed here since 1980, haven't moved back to Alabama, raised my boys here. They're native Texans. However, I have a son that is getting ready to plant a church in Alabama, back where I was born, uh, outside of the city of Birmingham. And as we were worshiping this morning, actually, I prayed, Lord, bless Nathan with a worship band like this one. Because, I mean, he's starting from scratch. Didn't know anybody there. It was a faith walk. They were having a Bible study while we were, well, right now. And so I was praying for them while I was worshiping with you. So if you think about it, his name is Nathan. My daughter-in-law's name is Brooke. And they've got four of my seven grandchildren. So I had two boys, and now I've got seven grandkids. Man, I'm glad that I I didn't kill my boys when they were teenagers. Uh, The Lord has rewarded me and joy with seven grandchildren. I'll probably mention, in fact, not probably, I will mention uh, a couple of them along the way in the message this morning. Would you stand just for a moment? I want to read just a a couple of verses, but I'm going to continue throughout Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 15. (coughs) Excuse me. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. And Lord, we do that right now. We give you praise. We give you glory this morning. We thank you for the revelation of your word, your truth, and the work that you want to do in our midst today. And we prepare our hearts through worship to receive your word now. And Father, let your word be life to our soul. Let it be bring guidance to our our feet. And Lord Jesus, I pray that it will be revelation to our minds today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Thank you so much. You may be seated. I, as your pastor said, I am new in the district office, and I have the wonderful privilege of serving alongside Dr. Galen Clonch, our district superintendent, and alongside Pastor Kermit Bell, our secretary treasurer. Between the three of us, we have over 100 years in pastoral ministry. Uh, and when we first came together in our roles, the Lord, uh, as we were praying, just dropped two words into our hearts. Now, there's other things He's spoken to us since then. But two words, and, and they're not just words, they, they really reflect, most importantly, God's heart. But they, he wanted it to be a reflection of our heart and our leadership. And those words are, you matter. Everybody say, you matter. You matter. Turn to your neighbor and say, you really do matter. <laughs> say, you matter to God, and you matter to me. All right, how many believe that? You know, and that's become, it was our, our theme at our district council last year, but it's, it's more than a theme. We, we believe it's a part of what God wants us to keep before us so that we understand that whatever we do in life and ministry, that the people that we are ministering to, the churches that we are hoping to help, that every person, every pastor matters. Every pastor's wife matters. Every pastor's son, daughter, every pastor's grandson uh, granddaughter matters. We all matter to God. Now I had, uh, I grew up with a brother, no girls. I had two boys, no girls. And I had my first granddaughter, man, did that change my life? <clears throat> first girl. And uh, her name is Madison. And one day it was just me and Madison in the car. And Madison was, I don't know, about two at the time, maybe two, two and a half, three, and she was in the back of the car, uh, in the car seat, and I'm driving, and he said, Grandpa Greg. I said, what, Madison? She said, I love you so much. Oh, man. My heart melted when I heard that. And I said, oh, Madison, I love you so much, too. And whatever you want, up to half of the kingdom, it's yours. <laughs> uh, good news is she, she didn't know what that meant at the time. Uh, my desire today, as we look at this passage of Scripture, is that you hear a voice from heaven calling your name and saying to you, I love you so much. 
I want to to remind you today of how much you matter to God. Just those verses that I read a moment ago remind us that you matter so much to God that He chose you and that He adopted you into His family so that you would know Him. And we sang this morning in our worship that we would know you, that we would know Him, that you would know Him as your Father. Let me me, me state that again. You matter so much to God that He chose you and adopted you into His family so that you would know Him as your Father. And let's look at the verse from which I take this statement. Or I, I make this statement out of these two verses here. Just as He chose us. First of all, I want to remind you that you didn't choose God. God chose you. God chose you, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world, before God said, let there be light, He drew a circle around you, He knew you would be born, He knew your name, and He said, I choose you. Now, your pastor talked about being on baseball. I loved to play baseball growing up. I, I, I enjoyed uh, playing ball. But uh, my parents put me in a private school at age five. They put me into kindergarten. And it was a real, I mean, it was a one-room schoolhouse. I mean, it was that tradition. They had first through ninth grade together. And I guess they didn't have enough kindergartners. And so they put me in first grade when I should have been in kindergarten. So I started out school a year early. And as you can tell, I wasn't the biggest kid in the room. And so all the way through school, uh, I'm, I'm rather small, and, and plus I'm younger than the other kids. And, and when I was going to junior high a few years later, in our junior high, I lived again out in a country place called Pike Road, Alabama. And our school was rather small. We had like 60 students in our junior high, and I loved it. But they changed some things, and uh, the busing came in, and they shut our school down. And they shipped me into town. And of the 60 students in the junior high, only three of us got sent to this school called Floyd. And it had 850 students. I felt lost. And I, I, can, I can still remember uh, going out to PE and they're dividing up on ball teams. And they're picking, you know, this one pick with, and I'm standing there and nobody picks me. You know, number one, they don't know how good I am. You know, they don't know I'm a small piece of leather, but I'm well put together and that I can play ball. And, and, and they didn't know that at the time. And uh, so I didn't get picked. And, and, you know, it was a little frustrating. You felt rejected. Maybe you've been there. You've interviewed for a job. You didn't get the job. I, I understand that. Well, guess what? I want you to know something. The most important person in all of the universe has drew a circle around you. And he said, I choose you. God's heart beats fast for you. And God says to you, I love you so much. I have chosen you. And then it says here that having predestined, that's a big word, isn't it? Predestined. In fact, if we were to have a conversation about predestination, you can get into a rather animated discussion with theologians about what predestination means. And, and I, I just want to make it simple for you today. I got into my car uh, yesterday uh, in Waxahachie, uh, on, excuse me, Friday, I came Friday, Friday in Waxahachie, and I, I put into the GPS an address that would bring me to San Angelo. In other words, I had a destination ahead of time in mind before I started out. I had a pre 
destination. I was going to come to a place that I've never been to before. It's my first time to San Angelo. Now, I've seen the, the name San Angelo often because when I drive to Lubbock, I go to Lubbock a lot. You say, why would you go to Lubbock instead of San Angelo? Well, I got three very good reasons. They're, they're granddaughter. Well, I got five, really, my son, my daughter-in-law. But anyway, I got three great reasons. And that my, I got three granddaughters that live in, in Lubbock. And, and quite often, my predestination is Lubbock, Texas. Well, here it says that God, the God who chose you, has a predestination in mind for you. He has a place that he wants you to arrive at. God has a plan for your life. One of my grandsons, Nolan, he has two brothers and a sister. There's four in the family, and and there's a lot of activity, a lot of noise in the house. Now, Nolan is the uh, one of the four that he likes his alone time. You know, he likes to be in a room by himself. His brother and sister is elsewhere, and and he'll work on a project. He loves to do Legos. And so, in fact, last Christmas, that's one of the gifts we got Nolan. We got him a Legos, and, and on the box there was a, a Star Wars figure, and so he knew that if he put them together correctly, that's what he would end up seeing. Well, his other grandpa, Grandpa Rusty, uh, bought him some Legos and, and when he came to see Nolan. And, and Nolan was excited because on Legos, on the box, you see the picture of what you can make with those Legos. And there was a ship on there. And Nolan was so excited. He, oh, he goes over to the table. He opens the box and he lays them all out on the table. And nobody's paying attention uh, what's going on over there. And what Grandpa Rusty didn't pay attention to is on Legos, it tells you the age appropriateness of them. You know, for Christmas, we got him that were, I think it's four to six or five, three to five, whatever, because he had just turned five. But Grandpa Rusty didn't pay attention to that. He bought a box that's got a ship. He's excited. It was 12 plus. And so here's, at the time Nolan was four, here's Nolan over there. And he's got all these Legos out on the table. Again, nobody's paying attention. But his mom looks over there after a few minutes, and this is what she sees. got his hands in his head, elbows on the table. He's shaking his head. He is overwhelmed with the number of Legos. They're beyond his capability. I don't know about you, but sometimes in life I feel like that. Now, my daughter-in-law is just a wonderful, wonderful uh, mom. And she saw that, and she goes over and pulls a chair up and sits down beside Nolan. said, Nolan, let me help you. For the next hour and a half, mom and, and son sit there, and she helps him make the connections and the pieces, and finally it starts to take shape. And, and, and before long, about an hour and a half long, I mean, it was, it was fairly long, uh, said, uh, I think you can finish it yourself. You know, church, I think sometimes in life, when life gets overwhelming, and we want to put our hands in our head and think, I just can't handle this, we've got a Father in heaven who looks at us, who has a pre-planned destination for us. And he knows what it looks like. And when you read the Romans 8, you realize it looks a lot like Jesus. We have been predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. And he comes alongside us and he says, hey, son, hey, daughter, I know you feel a little overwhelmed, but let me help you out. Let me show you how this connects with that and how this connects with that. And I want you to know that you're never alone in life. You have a God who's chosen you, a God who has a destination, a God who has a plan for your life. And he tells us part of that plan right here that he has chosen us 
And his plan is to adopt us into his family. Again, it says before the foundation of the world that God had this plan in mind before you. He drew a circle around you and he said, I choose you. And God knew this. He knew ahead of time that you were going to make a mess out of your life. He knew that you were going to sin. And he knew that sin was going to separate you from him. He knew you were going to fall short of his glory. He knew all of that. He knew that the wages of sin is death and that you would spend eternity separated from him. But he drew a circle around you and he chose you. And he says, I've got a plan for you. And his predestination for you is to save you from your sin. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But ultimately to put you into his family to adopt you as a son or as a daughter in the family of God. I'm thankful that Pastor Rick and... uh, Bishop Aaron Blake helped us in our district understand the the challenge in the state of Texas in terms of the number of children that are in the foster system. 30,000 children in the state of Texas on any given month uh, will be under foster care. And they said, why don't the church step up and begin to help care for these children? Now, we already had one family in our church, the, the Jonathan and Shelley Phillips. They've been doing that for years, and we always thought that was a good thing, and we supported them. They had, they had their own children, but they always usually had one or two foster children in their home. But I'd never even thought as a pastor, well, why don't I challenge the church to, to get involved and, and see if there would be those? And so Bishop Blake came and shared at our church, and we had a, a meeting, and I was shocked at how many people showed up for the meeting. In fact, there was one couple that showed up for the meeting, and I thought, what in the world is Eddie and Elga doing here? Eddie and Elga Pena came, and I'm looking at them. They're grandparents. Why are they? And then I looked over and saw their son and daughter-in-law. I said, oh, they're in here because maybe their son and daughter-in-law are going to do it, and they're going to help them out. Well, God spoke to Eddie and Elga not about helping out their son and daughter-in-law, but about becoming foster parents. And for the last six years, there's hardly been a month that went by, or really almost a week that went by, that Eddie and Elga didn't have one or two children in their home that they cared for. In fact, we had one boy in our church. I mean, he's got his own parents. They're great parents. And and, uh, one day he came to them and they said, Hey, how do you get involved in that foster care stuff? They said, What are you talking about? He said, well, I want to be Eddie and Elga's foster kid. Now, see, the thing is, Eddie and Elga thought if they were going to be foster parents, that meant all these kids were like grandkids. I mean, they were taking them to Six Flags. Uh, uh, they were taking them to the Ranger game. And, and DJ thought, hey, I want to be their foster kid. They get to do a whole lot more than I do. Uh, and Eddie and Elga, they love being foster parents. A family that chooses to adopt is a family that expresses the heart of God. Because God adopted every one of us into his family. I had no clue that when we began to share this vision that at Gospel Lighthouse, today there have already been 11 children that have found their forever family, and they've been adopted. And the the pastor that succeeded me at Gospel Lighthouse, he and his wife are looking to become the 12th family. Well, not 12th family, to to have the 12th child. In fact, there was one family in our church. They were there that day when we had that that meeting. And uh, I I looked at them and Carrie and Melissa Moon, and I thought, oh man, this has got to be hard for them. 
I had the privilege of being a part of marrying Carrie and Melissa. Uh, Carrie's a twin, identical. He and his brother Robert uh, came time, and Melissa got pregnant, and she was going to have twins. Man, we were excited. The twin will have twins. And several months into the pregnancy, I got the phone call that as she was at the doctor, they had discovered that one of the babies had passed away in the womb. And then I found out they did something that I didn't know that they could do. They did a C-section and actually removed the, the baby that had passed away. And uh, so we had a memorial for that, that, that precious child. And the other one was still alive. But then that child passed away. I mean, just broke all of our hearts. And I was just, second time, that same year, Melissa's mom passed away. And then Kerry gets laid off from his job that he had worked at with American Airlines for many years. And I'm thinking, Lord, how much more can this family handle? And then I look around a few months later. Now, I want to tell you this before I jump to them being in the room that day. Kerry and Melissa did something that I encourage everybody to do. They're going through one tragedy after another, but instead of staying away from church and pulling away from the people of God, they pressed in. They were there every week. They were part of our worship choir. They were present every week. They taught our children in our Sunday school. And I was thinking how hard that has to be, teaching other people's children when they want to have children so bad. So they show up there that day, and they did not come thinking that they would adopt or foster. They came that day thinking, well, maybe we'll help somebody else who does. And yet God began to speak to their heart. Spoke to her first that maybe this is the way, because the doctor said you'll never be able to have children of your own. Maybe this is the way that God's going to give us a child. And then later on, God spoke to Carrie. And so they went through all the classes, got uh, trained, and they got that little boy that uh, if everything went well, because when you go through it, there's, there's some pitfalls here because there's the possibility that somebody would come forward. And so they got this little boy. They're falling in love with him. We're falling in love with him. And just about two months before everything will be able to move forward, an aunt comes forward and says, I want to raise that little boy. And I am just heartbroken again for them. They lost this little boy that they were thinking they were going to adopt. And then one day they get a phone call because the people that were observing them were very impressed with them, called him up and said, Carrie, Melissa, would you be willing to take two siblings and potentially adopt two, two little girls? And they prayed about it and said, yeah, we, we think we would be open to that. We'd, we'd like to meet them. We'll be open to that. And then they called back two days later. Oh, by the way, these two girls don't know it, but they have two brothers that they've never met. Would you consider taking them too? Now, they came to me, and this great man of faith and, and wisdom said, No! <laughs> Four kids. And they were all under age five. Four at once? under age five and you've never had a child no that's not wisdom i mean two maybe but not four well they didn't listen to me you know uh, they went and prayed and listened to jesus and uh, the lord told them take all four of them i will never as long as i live forget the day that i had the privilege of dedicating uh, those four precious children and jasmine and wyatt and silas and the youngest was faith and i had dedicated the other three and and i'm sitting here on the altar and and little faith who was two runs up 
grabs me around the waist, buries her head in my chest because she's seen me pray for those other three. And I'm telling you what, I just knew that the heart of the Father in heaven was pleased. I went back to Gospel Lighthouse a couple of weeks ago, and uh, two of the kids I got the biggest hugs from were these two children. Now, if God were to speak to someone about caring for another child, just understand you have the heart of your Father in heaven. Because we're all adopted. I'm adopted. And I'm thankful that I've been adopted into the family of God. Second thing I want to say about this is that your highest privilege in life is calling God your father. Now, this part of the message you, you may have to chew on. You may have to think about it. It may have come as a revelation to you sometime next week. Now, I have a lot of privileges. I'm glad I'm from Alabama. I, I, from a sports way, I, I cheer for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, they got annihilated in the championship. I know that. But they have 17 of them. So, all right. I, you know, uh, and, and so I, I, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that I'm a Headley. If I had time today to tell you about my dad and, and how that uh, he grew up with his dad not serving the Lord, but yet he went to a little bitty country church out in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, and found Jesus and made a commitment to Christ, and then God used my dad worldwide. It's just amazing what God did through my dad. I'm proud of, of being a Headley. Oh, I love being married to Joy. My better half, I promise you, is not here today. She is my better half. I am better because of her. I am so grateful that God gave me the joy. I got joy whether I want her or not, 24-7. Uh, I, I got a lot of things I can brag about. I'm glad I'm part of the Assemblies of God. But you know what? The highest privilege, I'm glad I'm a citizen of the United States. I, you know, I mean, I can go on and on about things I'm proud of. And I'm actually proud to be a Texan, uh, even though I grew up in Alabama. But there's no greater privilege in life than the fact that I can call the God who created this universe that he is my father. There's no greater privilege that you can have in life than the fact that God is your father. Second thing I, I want to notice out of this is you matter so much to God's son, to Jesus, that he died for you so that he might redeem you and forgive you and give to you an eternal home. You matter so much to Jesus that he died for you so that he might redeem you and forgive you and give you an eternal home. Let's look at the vast verses where this revelation comes from. It says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption. Everybody say Redemption. Redemption through his blood. What, what does it mean to be, to be redeemed? You know, we don't use that term a lot today, at least not in the depth that was used here. Uh, but this means that to be purchased out of slavery. To redeem is to pay a price. A price in order to provide freedom. And you and I were in bondage to sin. And that bondage leads to death. And Jesus paid the ultimate price through his blood when he died on the cross so that you and I could be set free from sin. How much are you worth? 
Some of you may mission Sunday. Thought of a couple that actually I've known him, David Grant, since I was a, a little boy. He's been a missionary for over 40 years in India. And his wife is Beth Grant. And one of the things that David and Beth Grant discovered after they were in India doing other things, they began to come to this understanding that there were actually hundreds, thousands of girls that, and many of them out of neighboring India and places like Nepal, that had been sold into sexual slavery. There were families in Nepal that thought they were giving their daughters an opportunity for a better life. And they would receive $300 and their girl would be taken and unfortunately end up in the burgeoning Asian sex trade. And they began to to realize what was going on here. How much are you worth? Are you worth just $300? Well, they began to raise money to purchase these girls out of it and take them and put them in They call them homes of hope. And to begin to tell these girls that the world may have valued, devalued you so much that they would use you and enslave you. But we want you to know that God values you so much that he would die for you in order to set you free. How much are you worth? I know God's answer. You're worth the life of Jesus. That's how valuable you are to God. Can we give him praise today because of how valuable we are through his and what Jesus Christ paid for us, redeem us, and through his blood, the forgiveness. He not only purchased us to set us free, he says all the things you did that put you here in the first place, I'm forgiving you of that because of the riches of my grace. You're not going to bear the brunt of your own bad actions. I am thankful for the forgiveness of God. And in Him also, we have obtained an inheritance. You see, you matter so much to God's Son. You matter so much to Jesus that He died for you so that He could redeem you, so that He pay a price, so you could be set free, so that you could be forgiven of your sin and to give you an eternal home. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever, what, believed, in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. My granddaughter Ella goes to a Christian preschool in Lubbock, Trinity Christian School. And one day she got in the car and told her mom, said, Mom, did you know there's a stairway to heaven? And Brandy, my other daughter-in-law, said, well, Elle, I did, did not know that. There is. And she said, yeah, there is. We learned that today. And we still don't know exactly. We, we're pretty sure they weren't listening to Led Zeppelin uh, in that Christian preschool. Uh, so best we can figure is that they were talking about Jacob's Ladder. Okay, must have been Jacob's Ladder. That's the only thing we've been able to come up with. But here's what she said. She said, that's where you go when you die. You go up the stairway to heaven. She said, but I'm not going to be like Jesus. She said, you're not. She said, no, Jesus died on the cross, and that's the way he went up the stairway to heaven. I'm not going to be like Jesus. She said, well, Ella, how are you going to go? She said, I'm going to ride a rainbow unicorn. That's the way I'm going up the stairway to heaven. Now, she is sort of infatuated with unicorns. 
problem is we tried to convince her that unicorns are just imaginary animals. They're not real. And we've been having a hard time convincing her of that, especially because she went to South Carolina and Brandy was visiting her granddad, which would be Ella's great-grandfather. And so they went to church with him on a Sunday morning, and they dismissed the kids, and the kids all went next door. Uh, and in kids' church, they were doing a series on Noah's Ark. And there was this very talented man in the church, and he was doing this beautiful mural of Noah's Ark. And, and every week he had draw certain parts of it as they'd tell the story of Noah's Ark. And guess what he had drawn on Noah's Ark? A unicorn. Ella comes out. I knew unicorns were real. There's one on Noah's Ark. I mean, we hadn't been able to convince her yet that unicorns are not real. Now, she doesn't have all of her theology exactly right yet. But she does know this. She knows that when we die, we can go to heaven. And somehow heaven is connected to Jesus dying on the cross. And I want you to know today that it is through the price that Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary that every one of us in this room have the hope of everlasting life. Do you matter? You may not matter to the person who lives next door to you. You may not matter to the person who's waiting on you at the mall. You may not matter to the person who's driving beside you going to work. But you matter to the one that matters most. You matter to God. And God chose you. He drew a circle around you. And He said, I have a destination. And your destination is not for a devil's hell. I prepared hell for the devil, not for you. I've prepared heaven for you. And I want you to be adopted into my family. And in order to make that happen, I am sending my son to pay the ultimate price on the cross of Calvary so that you could be forgiven of your sin and so that you could know you're on the way to heaven. Third thing out of this passage is you matter so much to the Holy Spirit that He identifies you as God's own and that He guarantees your future. You matter so much to the Holy Spirit that He identifies you as God's own and He guarantees your future. Look at the verse that this revelation comes from in him, in Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. We've just talked about Jesus. And if you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, there's no better day to do that than today. There's no better day to trust him than today. You're hearing the word of truth. The words you're hearing are not my words. They're his word. And not my revelation, they're His revelation. It's the gospel. It's the good news. It's the good news of salvation. It says, when you trusted Him, you heard that. In whom you also, having believed, if you believe... How many of you believe that? You believe it, wave at me. You really believe that today? You believe that Jesus is God's Son, the Savior of the world? Having believed, then here's what occurred. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I like that. The Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. 
What does this mean? That he sealed us. It means he identified us. He identifies you as God's own. You see a, a, a particular shoe and it has a swoosh on it. And, and that is the Nike logo. And it identifies that that, that shoe uh, was made by Nike. Unless it's a knockoff and then you shouldn't buy it. But anyway. Uh, and then there's all kind of logos that, that we wear to identify certain clothing. Or or it's a, a seal like you put on a, on a medicine cap to render it secure. In fact, I have to have almost one of my grandkids figure out how to open my medicine caps because I got these child-proof things that I can't open, but they can. Uh, all right. it, it's like a brand on, on a cattle that identifies ownership of the cattle. And what he is saying here, this word that talks about being sealed with the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit of God lets us know that we have been identified as someone who belongs to God and that God has sealed us into His family. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We belong to God. Now, we're a spirit-filled people. And uh, I love looking at and understanding what the Holy Spirit does. And I want to just give you a little reminder of the role of the Holy Spirit in what we're talking about today. See, first of all, what the Holy Spirit does, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit, I got a spotlight on me right now. I've been trying to avoid looking at it because if I look at it, then I got this blind spot and I can't see you. So I go from here to here and I skip that. We got this this. A spotlight on me right now. The Holy Spirit, He puts a spotlight on you and I so bright that every flaw we've got shows up. Jesus said that He's going to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He puts the spotlight on me and, oh man, all the flaws in my life, all the wrong thoughts, all the wrong actions, they show up. And there's my sin on display for me and God to see. Maybe others can't see it, but God knows it. And then he puts the spotlight on righteousness. And I realize, as, Jesus, as the Bible says, there's none righteous, no, not one. Certainly not me. And then he puts the spotlight on judgment. And I realize that the wages of my sin results in death. But the Holy Spirit takes that same spotlight... And he shifts it off of me and he puts it onto Jesus. And he puts the spotlight on Jesus. I see that, oh, wow. There's one man that lived on planet earth that is different than every other man that lived on planet earth. There is one and only one who lived with no sin in his life. And when I look at the spotlight on Jesus, I realize the Bible when it says there is none righteous, no, not one. Well, that's not totally accurate because there was one righteous man who walked planet earth. One sinful, sin, excuse me, sinless man who walked planet earth and his name is Jesus. And with the spotlight on Jesus, I see this perfect man, but then that spotlight stays on him as he walks up Golgotha's hill and as he will 
willingly lays His hands on the cross and I see that the judgment that I deserve and the judgment that you deserve, the judgment that separates from God, it became all placed upon Him because He who knew no sin became sin for us. And the sin of the whole world, my judgment, your judgment, was rendered to Jesus on the cross and the Holy Spirit in putting the spotlight on Jesus is saying, Greg, I want you to look at how much you matter to God. I want you to look at how much you matter to God's Son. I want you to know that when the spotlight is on you, you're condemned. But when you put the spotlight on Jesus and you trust in Him and you believe in Him, then all of the condemnation that you had is gone. And instead, you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and you have been forgiven. And now, when the spotlight comes back on you from heaven, heaven doesn't see your sin. Heaven doesn't see your failures. Heaven sees you as a son of God, a daughter of God, one who is holy and righteous because of what Jesus has done. And when he puts that spotlight on Jesus and when we believe, when we trust what we've heard, this good news, and we believe, then Jesus said that we would be born again. Well, how is that possible? There's the natural birth, but then there's a supernatural birth. As Jesus was explaining this to Nicodemus, he said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. There's this natural birth. I mean, somebody in the house earlier today was getting ready for a natural birth. I think grandparents are getting excited about a natural birth. A little boy that's getting ready to, to, to come into this world and it's a fullness and embraced and be loved on and there's a natural birth but Jesus said that which is born of spirit is spirit there is a supernatural birth and that same Holy Spirit who put the spotlight on me and showed me all my sin after he puts the spotlight on Jesus and I trust in Jesus and I believe in Jesus then that spirit does something for me similar to what he did with Jesus. Say, what are you talking about? How was Jesus in the womb of Mary? How is that even possible? It happened as the angel told Mary, Mary, that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Spirit. And the angel came to Joseph. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. It was supernatural. The Spirit of God made this womb of Mary begin to come to life with the Son of the living God. And a miracle happened. The virgin birth took place. And Jesus was born that night in Bethlehem of Judea by a virgin. Well, that same spirit that performed that miracle performed a miracle the day I asked Jesus into my heart. Because that same spirit turned me from a child of darkness into a child of light. Turned me from a child living according to Satan's rule to a son of the almighty God. And it is the spirit that enables me to be born again. And I could go on and on this morning to talk about the spirit. In fact, let me just cover one other thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals us. He identifies you as God's own. 
In fact, the Bible says in Romans, also in Galatians, that it's by the Spirit who bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And it's a result of the Holy Spirit that it gives to us the confidence that God is our Abba Father. Goes back to the very first thing that we talked about. How many believe God's your Father? All right, about half of you. How many believe God's your Father? Wave at me. I mean, do you really believe that? Let me tell you why you're convinced of that. You're convinced of that not because Pastor Greg's telling you that or even Pastor Jay who's telling you that or a Sunday school teacher's told you that. Now, God may use us, but it's the Holy Spirit that bears witness with your spirit that God is your Father and that you can talk to Him as such. So the Holy Spirit is this one here that is sealing us with the promises of God. And He is the guarantee of our inheritance. I met Joy in Southeastern in Lakeland, Florida. And I spied her and thought, man, I'm going to get to know her. So I went up and did my best introduction. And I don't know why, but she didn't like me. I asked her out, and she said no. So she showed up at one of my ball games, not because I was playing uh, shortstop, but because there was a guy in the outfield she was hoping would ask her out. Good news is he didn't. So I walked up to her after the game. I understand she's a Bible college student, and I said, you want to go to McDonald's? Free meals? She said yes. And uh, it took me a while. In fact, the, the night that, that she finally decided that she liked me, she, and I didn't know this till a few years later, uh, she went into her room and cried. She didn't want to like me. I don't know why I was so unlikable. But that's the way it was. I finally captured her heart. And then a couple of years later, uh, I had worked hard, saved up money, and bought a ring and and I got her to come from Indiana to Springfield where my parents had moved and it was summertime and and uh, I and I now nowadays my goodness these guys they take their uh, lady they're going to engage to to some fancy park and they have people playing music in the background and people filming and you know they go through all this dramatic stuff I I just had her in my parents living room and and I'm um, sitting on the couch, and I knelt down, and I, I opened the ring, and I asked her to marry me. She said, yes, hallelujah. And then she said, where are we going to go celebrate? I said, I don't know. I spent all the money on the ring. I ain't got any money left, which is true. I didn't have a credit card back then. And so she took us out to eat uh, to celebrate our engagement, a true story. But that ring, when she was wearing that, that ring was actually illustrating this statement here. It was my statement, my guarantee that we would one day be married as husband and wife. Every time you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in worship, in prayer, in your heart, when you're alone, when you're speaking in tongues, whatever, anytime you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's part of God's guarantee. Part of God saying to you, my spirit at work in your life is the guarantee that you're going to be with me for all of eternity. Just a few weeks ago, I 
uh, actually Joy and I were going to be going to Lubbock. She ended up going to Lubbock uh, for my oldest granddaughter out there for her celebrator birthday. But I, I, my plans changed rather dramatically because my uncle, my mom's youngest brother, had passed away. And so I ended up uh, catching a flight. Uh, they had asked me to participate in the memorial service in Alabama. Now, uh, he, he's just a few years older than me, seven years. He, I'm closer in age to him than my mother is. She was uh, mid-teens when he was born. In fact, one of the stories told at his memorial is that the day of my mom and dad's marriage, my mom bathed her three youngest brothers because they were all just in that preschool, early elementary age, and she sort of mothered them. Uh, had that funeral been 15 years ago, there probably would have been a handful of people in the room. Pretty sure his son wouldn't have been there. They wouldn't have asked me to come to speak at the memorial, my brother. I know my mom would have been there because she, she loved him in spite of how he lived his life for so many years. But he had made a, a lot of enemies in his own family with other people. He had uh, been an alcoholic, made a lot of bad decisions, and most everybody around him had written him off. The two daughters that he had had when he was young had nothing to do with him. In fact, they didn't even show up at the memorial three weeks ago. My uncle was a sad case. Spotlight on him showed up many, many flaws. But one day my mom and dad, my dad was going to be preaching at uh, actually the little town where I was born, Clanton, Alabama, preaching at First Assembly of God there. And so they invited Larry to go with them. And he reluctantly said yes. I and mean, he didn't go to church. And he said, well, I know they're going to have y'all sitting up front, but I ain't going to do that. I'm going to sit in the back. And he probably, well, maybe not in front of my mom, but in front of everybody else, he'd had a few other choice words that he would have used in, in response. But he came that Sunday, and, and there was somebody. I had wonderful people greet me as I arrived here today. Thank you for that. Well, there was a man that when Mom and Dad walked in and my uncle was with him, he just, oh, who are you? Oh, you're Jimmy's uh, brother, Larry. Oh, wonderful. Put his arms around. We're so glad you're here today. Welcome to First Assembly of God in Clanton. Why don't you follow me? Next thing you know, Larry's sitting on the front row <laughs> with Mom and Dad. Now, my dad preached, gave an altar call. Larry just sit there, you know sort of angry that he ended up on the front row. Griped to him about things after they left. Dad and mom were somewhere else. But the next Sunday morning, something about the way he was greeted and loved on by that church touched his heart. And Larry got up and drove, which was 30 miles. He didn't live in that community. He lived in another community. And showed up at First Assembly of God in Clinton. And he got the same love he did that Sunday when he came by himself than when he was with my mom and dad, the speakers. And he kept going back for the last 11 years. Unless he was in the hospital, he didn't miss a service. And what he ended up doing is obviously going to the halter and giving his heart to Jesus. And then my uncle, of all people, decided that he would be the one to greet every person newcomer and every family member walked through that front door and for the last 11 years one of the first person you'd see on Sunday morning was my uncle Larry now I didn't even know all this 
And he had told Pastor Randy, Pastor Randy, when you've got to go to the hospitals, I'll go with you. Now, understand, he had sort of destroyed his, his, himself physically. He couldn't, he was disabled, couldn't hold a job. But he went to the hospitals. He went to the nursing homes. And one of the great blessings of my life was three weeks ago. As I sat on the platform and I looked out in total shock at a church full of people who had come to honor my uncle. And yet I knew all of the pain he had caused in the past. I knew the hard life that he had lived. But I'm thankful that God put a circle around Larry and said, Larry, in spite of the choices you've made, I've still chosen you. And I still love you. And my destination for you is to spend eternity. And I'm thankful that my granny and granddaddy, there was never a night that I was in their house before they went to heaven that I did not hear them pray for their children by name, Larry and Wayne. I had two, they had two prodigals that were way away from God. They prayed for them every night. After they went to heaven, my mother took up the mantle. And there was not a single day that she didn't pray for Larry and that she didn't and pray for Wayne. And both of those brothers came to know Christ before the ravages of alcohol and nicotine took them to an early death. But even though they had an early death on earth, they had a reception in heaven because God loved them. Jesus redeemed them. And I am so grateful for the grace of God today. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like my uncle. You're in church, but you don't have Jesus living in your heart. You don't know that God is your father because you haven't been serving him. But I want you to know you're here today because God has drew a circle around you. And he's calling you by right name right now. He says, I choose you. And I want you in my family. My son died for your sin. And I want you to believe in him. I want you to trust in him. I want you to receive the good news that he has brought to you. I want you to let the Holy Spirit who's putting the spotlight on you right now. You're hearing the words of this guest speaker, but it's really the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you right now. It's the Holy Spirit that's saying to you, God loves you. And it's your day, your time to receive God's forgiveness and God's grace in your life. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. And if you're here this morning, you may be a a young person. I was a young person when I gave my heart to Jesus. Or you may be like my Uncle Larry. Actually, my, my dad's dad, my granddad, he didn't come to Christ for the first time until he was in his 60s. I'm thankful for the grace of God. And I'm thankful that God has drew a circle around you. And he's calling your name right now. And if you are here today and you'd say, I hear God's voice. I hear, I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I know that there's sin in my heart. But I want to walk out of this service today being forgiven of my sin. And knowing that God is my father. And knowing that heaven is my eternal home. If that's your desire, I would love to pray for you. Would you lift your hand right now if you need to ask Jesus into your heart? Thank you. Anyone else today? You need to ask Jesus. Lift it up high so I can see it. 
Hallelujah. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else today? Thank you. I see that hand. Praise God. Anyone else this morning? Maybe it's a time for you to return to the Lord. Uh, Just lift your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. 